So once you got it, I got it. All right. What's up, everybody? This is Dominic D'Angelo of WrestleZone.com, and it is a very special episode of the Hot Tag, as we are going to preview AEW Double or Nothing this weekend, happening on Sunday. Sunday in Vegas, baby. I'll be there, but I have a great panel of uh, analysis, uh, analysts, as well as writers, as well as editors. A couple of debuts happening this week, so we'll kick them off with that. One of them happens to be my boss, none other than Bill Pritchard of WrestleZone.com, managing editor. Bill? Welcome to your debut on the hot tag. Graham from Bleacher Report, Graham Matthews, also known as Russell Rant on Twitter. Graham, it's it was awesome to meet you down in Dallas, and I, I wanted to get you on the show here. So welcome to the show, brother. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. I know that we've been working on this for a while, but uh, it was great meeting you in Dallas less than, holy shit, two months ago at this point, which is crazy. But uh, yeah, great to be on. Thanks for having me on. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah. Now, I also have one of, now these two are kind of rivals here on the hot tag. Back and forth, they have gone several times on this show. There, there's no back and forth oh. on this, Dom. It's it's all been one sided. Oh, oh, whoa! See, so introduce your off. champion first. Wow! Whoa! Whoa! Well, you know what? If I could deduct points, Connor, I would do that just right here and there. So I'm gonna go right to the challenger here right. in John Alba from Podcast Heat, as well as at FreeShows.com. Yeah, you can start him in the negatives. That's a good way to start. You know, I, I this might be Bill Pritchard's debut because last time you had William Pritchard on, but now we've got Bill Pritchard on. Wait, so did I, did I just blank? Was I the host? I didn't, Bill, I seriously haven't had you on. I've here. Definitely, like, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't the hot tag, and it was just another. I don't think you were on the hot show. Tag. Maybe that might have been it. That okay. might have been because well, I can all tell right, you my mistake. But I know I've called in and. <laughs> I, I can tell you this. I, I just last week was in Nashville and I burst through Connor Casey's door and demanded a spot on his couch to stay. It's true. And I I'm left looking at it right now. I left with some old smoky Tennessee caramel <laughs> whiskey because I am a caramel slut, as has been discussed on WrestleZone.com. So this is going to be a good one here. That is. Man, we all should be boozing because, well, we got the champ. He is the undeniable champ, two time champion here on the hot tag. It is Connor Casey of comicbook.com. Connor, thank you for uh, defending your title tonight. Well, actually, Dom, I, I wanted to bring that up. See, the fact that John Alba is once again on this show, I feel, is a bit of a disrespect to me because you are not lining up new potential challengers. So I'm going to take a page out of the Tribal Chiefs book, and I'm declaring that this is a non-title match for no good reason. Whoa. Whoa. All right. Acknowledge me and this. let's do this, okay? Deal with it. Non-title. Well, let's get to kicking here. I kind of just want to start off. Obviously, we just finished up here the conference call, the Double or Nothing conference call with uh, Tony Khan before Double or Nothing kicks off. Um, so I just kind of want to ask, what's the big takeaway? What's your bigger takeaway from this? And the, hey, we will start with the champion and Connor Casey. So Connor, go right ahead. Uh, big reaction from the call or anything in particular from it? Big reaction from the call overall. Um, well, he had a lot of positive things to say about CM Punk, which I thought was interesting given the subject matter of uh, Hangman Page's promo last night. Uh, Page seemed to be addressing some things that, it, you know, it, it, depending on how much you know, it, it was almost like a mag it was almost like one of those magic eye posters. The more you look at it and the more you know about it, the more that uh, promo made sense. But if you're, you know, one of the commoners, one of the laymen out there, you, you probably were like, what, what's he getting on about? 
and, and uh, Tony had nothing but not good things to say about him. He answered my question, which was uh, what st- kind of stopped you from just pushing him right to the top immediately. And I, the more I thought about it, a lot of other companies probably would have gone that route. Hey, you got CM Punk, former WWE star, the, the great white whale of professional wrestling. You got him. Most other companies would have said, and here's Kenny Omega, fight for the title next show. No, they, they, they took their time with that. And his explanation was a sound one, and I appreciated it. Sweet, sweet. Graham, did you get to tune into the conference call, or were you uh, on the panel even? Uh, I was not on the call. I did catch the highlights on Twitter from everyone that was posting about it. So thank you to everyone that did that. It makes it a lot easier for me when I'm not on the call. But my main takeaway, this is going to sound like ridiculous compared to what Connor just said. The fact that I know he didn't confirm it, but All Out being back in Chicago, I've been waiting for that for a while because I was at All Out last year. I was there in 2019. Again, I know he didn't confirm it. I'm assuming he's just waiting until like the pay-per-view on Sunday for that graphic. Oh, it's coming back to Chicago because I know Forbidden Doors there next month. That was what really got me excited personally because I really want to be there in Chicago in September or late August or whenever it is. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm hoping it's going to be there. They've made a tradition out of that. It kind of looked like it was in jeopardy a little bit, again, with Forbidden Door next month. But I'm hoping based on what he said on the call that they're going to be heading back there in September. So fingers crossed on my end. It's like synonymous, all out, all in, all synonymous with Chicago. It would feel weird it not being in Chicago, to be honest. So, uh, John, what is your biggest takeaway from uh, the conference? So you were on there as well. So I just hope he can confirm Ubers will be available after the all out paper. That would <laughs> you be know he can't start. confirm that. <laughs> that would be a big start. Uh, well, Connor, if this is a non-title match, I guess it means as the champion, you're doing the job here today because that's typically how things go. That's not how backlash went, buddy. <laughs> so... I think for me, the biggest takeaway was the Warner Brothers Discovery comment that he had. And we finally got a chance to get an in-depth answer from him on that. He he was asked in an interview the other day about the Los Angeles show and how there would be involvement from Warner Brothers Discovery on that front. But that has been the chatter of discourse here in professional wrestling for the last month, month and a half since we heard about the ramifications and the consolidation that was coming from Warner Brothers Discovery with this merger happening and wanting to lean more towards cost-effective, reality-based programming. And where would AEW fit in that realm? And I think the answer that he gave on this week's conference call certainly gave indication that they do have a strong relationship so far. The fact that Warner Brothers Discovery is going to be throwing them a party in Los Angeles has to be looked at as a good thing, I imagine. And they're excited to welcome them there to the forum, which is a historic sports venue in and of itself. I think that's a huge takeaway because it means that it opens up the door for potential property use. Pardon me. That's the whiskey talking property usage on the Warner Brothers Discovery platform, whether it's HBO Max or whatever they decide to go with Discovery Plus, whatever that may be. Yeah, I mean, that has been the talk. I mean, obviously not with like fans in the crowd, but like as an industry from an industry perspective, super, super major. So, yeah, that's a, that's definitely a big one. Bill, last but not least, what do you got? To, what was your biggest takeaway? Uh, I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction and say, uh, I, and I'm sorry, I don't remember who asked the question, but uh, Tony purchasing Ring of Honor on his own through a separate LLC rather than waiting for AEW and just how that played out. Um, It's a question I've been wanting somebody to ask since he actually announced it. Uh, I think was it uh, after Supercard was really the only chance, you know, we got um, 
to really ask. Um, I, I didn't get a chance to ask that question on that call. I didn't get a chance to ask today. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, I, I would like to know more how that's going to work. Like, I trust him, take him at his word that it's going to be separate. Um, but just really, like, how is it going to work? Because you you can talk all about exclusivity and what talent's going to go where, but you're seeing Ring of Honor matches, tele, you know, title defenses on AEW programming right now. How's it all going to play out? And I think, you know, the more he can address those concerns, answer fans' questions about how it's going to be separate, the better off it's going to be in the long run. Like, really, all we know so far is he has champions that are under the AEW banner. And then there's those two or three logos that are really, you know, a first look, like they're not even a finalized look. So, you know, I know he doesn't have any answers about the TV deal, but anything else that he could really do to maybe quell people's fears about it, or just try to be as upfront as he can, that he really, he's done the same thing with AEW for the most part. Let it play out, Bill. Let it play out. (laughs) Well, you know, yeah, ROH, uh, I think that's really going to dictate how we view uh, Tony's presentation of a product and brand uh, moving forward overall with what he has in mind for both brands. Uh, How's how's he going to play this out? How's it all going to turn out in a lot of ways? So I think that's kind of, yeah, definitely a big aspect as well. I mean, there's a lot to scratch with this, with AAW and everything. Um, I'm going to go back around and I want to say, since Bill, you weren't, didn't get to ask a question besides the one you just mentioned, what would be another question you'd ask on the call? And then I'm, I'm going to go around and, and get your, your guys' perspective. If you could ask another question today, to what would have been your primary one? So Bill, go ahead. Probably. I, I honestly, I would have asked about, um, he's Tony Khan's big announcement, like, you know, pick which one it was it's been hyped to no end and it was the purchase of ring of honor which i mean we kind of knew about some of you know some people knew about ahead of time and then smojo kind of came out of left field even though that was like maybe an obvious choice for a ring of honor event and then going back as far as when he said he had the you know the ace up his sleeve or whatever like and people were like, oh, what? this is not going to pay off. And then Sting was not advertised at all. And he just showed up at Winter's Coming. So it's like, how does he balance hyping something where it gets so much attention, where it dominates the news cycle for a week? And then you have something last night, like Great Ocon and Jeff Cobb showing up, didn't say a word about it. And it was a great surprise. And people are equally as happy about it so what kind of balance do you try to strike with that and uh how much goodwill does he think he built up with fans or at least when does he think he finally reached a point where he built up enough goodwill to sort of pull these big announcements and surprises and have them have fans accept it that it's going to be he's going to deliver on them no, he's gotten a lot of blowback on social media about making the big, big announcements and, you know, how much can you get a shine from that? And then how much does it kind of waver after, after time goes on? John, if you had to ask another question on the conference call, what would it have been today? 
I want to say that I actually thought this was probably the most informative and newsworthy AEW conference call that we've had to date. It was mostly good questions. We didn't get a question about when AEW was coming to Europe. That's that's usually a great. <laughs> that's always hit. the one. This time it was Canada. This time it was Canada. Yeah. <laughs> it was usually a greatest hit. Um, but I think that, and it was kind of touched on where someone asked about how do you grow the audience. I, I would like to know though that we're about eight nine months out here from when CM Punk and Adam Cole and Brian Danielson came in. And the numbers for Dynamite are really no higher than they were a year ago. What is that a reflection of? And how did they maybe capitalize poorly or did they capitalize enough on these big names coming in? I would have liked an honest, reflective answer from Tony about that. Now, obviously, right now with the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs going on, there's going to be an outlier because of some of the viewership that's going to be attracted by that. But I think we can all agree that the numbers really haven't, generated much beyond a tangible difference of what maybe many of us were expecting and whether that audience, that extra set of eyes actually exists or not. So I would have liked to have known a little more on that. Yeah, no, it's definitely a good one. So Graham, uh, maybe your question got answered during the conference call, but uh, if you had to pick another one, what would it have been? Maybe this was already answered, but I'm kind of curious how much injuries may have affected this show. Just because for me, we'll get into it, obviously, in previewing this pay-per-view. And I'm looking forward to Sunday. Obviously, they always put on great content. But it just feels like some of the matches feel thrown together. And, like, for me, I was thinking maybe we were going to get the Hardys, Darby, and Sting. Like, I was wondering if Sting's injury is legit. Did that affect things going into Sunday? Were we supposed to get some sort of undisputed elite match with just the Bucks and Red Dragon? Um, It kind of feels like, I don't know if you can comment on Kenny Omega's status and when he's coming back, obviously, and he probably won't be a forbidden door. I guess we'll find out, but it feels like the, again, I don't know how much he can really comment in on it, but if like the undisputed elite stuff is kind of like in a holding pattern for right now until after that can kind of be progressed when Omega comes back. I mean, just, I just look at some of the matches for Sunday, the Hardys and uh, Buck stuff looking forward to that match. It feels like it could have started a month or two earlier. Some of the other matches feel like they kind of came out of nowhere. So I'm kind of curious if there were any factors there, if injuries had anything to do with it or, if they had to change plans for forbidden door. And that would have been the second part of the question too. How much, like, what are we, again, he might've answered this already either today or at another point, uh, how much involvement from new Japan are we going to get on AEW TV in the coming weeks? Obviously last night we got Cobb and Ocon, our great Ocon, which was great. Uh, are we looking at a massive super card, like at new Japan versus AEW, or are we getting AEW exclusive matches, which I think he's hinted at, but I don't want people to get their hopes super high expecting punk and Okada. And it's like only a couple of interpromotional matches. So we'll obviously find more out, you know, we'll find out more about that in the weeks to come, but that was something I was personally curious about. Yeah. I expect, I mean, with ROH being in the mix and then you get new Japan coming in, it's, there's a lot of elements you got to factor in and plus the bloated roster they already have. It's like, how is this all going to fold and come, come together? So Connor, how about you? What would you have asked if you had one more chance? So kind of playing off the the topic of the Warner Bros. Discovery merger, uh, one of the news pieces that came up the past couple of weeks was Brett White's departure, and he oversaw TNT, TBS, and True TV, and by every indication was a big supporter of AEW behind the scenes and helped them expand with Rampage, with Rose to the Top, with whatever that new show we know is coming is going to be. Um, he's gone. And I'm curious, without one of your big supporters in the front office, how does that affect your relationship? And has that affected negotiations that we presume are happening between the two sides in regards to getting a tape library on HBO Max, uh, Ring of Honor on, on any sort of distributing deal, 
and, uh, you know, initial talks for the next television deal. Um, you know, I, I've brought this up, I think, on this show on elsewhere. Uh, Nitro by Guy Evans uh, was a fantastic book that kind of looked into WCW's downfall. And if that book had a thesis statement, it would be that WCW didn't die because Vince Russo, Eric Bischoff and Kevin Nash all had bad ideas. It died because when AOL and Time Warner merged, suddenly Ted Turner did not have the power to say, no, WCW stays regardless of what anybody else thinks or whatever the money says. You know, people at Turner did not like WCW long before they even found success. And even when they did find success, it was like, almost begrudgingly like, yeah, well, well, we're happy for the money, but uh, we still don't like you guys because you don't fit our theme of what we're trying to build for this network. So the moment they had the excuse to get rid of them, they did. And I'm curious, I'm just honestly curious, what is the environment like? What is the view from their side and how they view AEW now versus 20 years ago? That's a great question. I, um, yeah, obviously when these switches happened and like, yeah, they would change management in there. Yeah, I automatically thought, like, this is like WCW. What What's their relationship? Do Does TNT still like wrestling at this point? <laughs> like, even starting at the beginning. So, no. All right. Well, let's get to the card itself. Double or nothing going down. Uh, obviously, we have the main event here. It is with CM Punk versus Hangman Page. Uh, we'll kick this one off with Alba and see just your overall thought to the build and your prediction of what's going to happen. I think this has been a very good build. And I know there are people who disagree on that, but I think this run that CM Punk is having is just fantastic. And it's very clear that the long play that was alluded to before with CM Punk in in making him earn that championship shot, every single match that he has had since coming in has mattered in that pursuit. And he has helped young talent along the way. And he's worked with some veteran talent and gotten the best out of them. Tony mentioned specifically Eddie Kingston on the conference call, being a guy that was really enhanced by working with CM Punk. I think CM Punk is the perfect adversary for Hangman Page. And everything that Hangman Page stands for is the young trailblazer that's leading the organization. Punk is not trying to step on his toes as the young man and the old vet, but he still believes he has something to prove that he is the top pro wrestler. That's Punk's whole thing, right? He's the best pro wrestler in the world. And I think that's a great juxtaposition to what Hangman Page brings to the table. And with them both being babyface, I guess Punk has done a little tweener stuff here. Even Page had one episode where he was kind of a little tweenery. The way in which they craft that story, and I have no doubt they're going to watch some great championship matches from the past to really intertwine those into the story they're going to tell in this match. I think they're going to really take the crowd on a roller coaster ride in how you feel with each individual competitor uh, in the match. And and quite frankly, I'm just as much interested in what happens in the post-match as I am about who comes out the winner. Because if we are headed towards Forbidden Door, boy, howdy, regardless of who wins this match, I would have whoever's challenging at Forbidden Door show up right then and there. Uh, Yeah, I think, you know, on Punk's end, the story has been like very well told throughout the end of things. With Hangman in this build to this feud in this program, I, it's like I've kind of been hit or miss with it. And like when Hangman's hit his promos, like last night, for example, I thought it was pretty good. But um, it just doesn't seem like the world champ has had that much opportunity. Um, Graham, let's get your thoughts on on that match and the build to it, as well as who you think is going to win. 
Yeah, I agree with John. I think the build's been great. And I think the fact that it very well could go either way going into Sunday is great too. And I think another important thing to know is that in the three years of AEW, and I could be wrong, and maybe we've had an instance of this on pay-per-view, but I don't think we've really got a true, again, it's kind of uh, the Shades of Grey characters right now with both guys, but we haven't really gotten a true babyface versus babyface world title main event at all. So it's a different dynamic, which I think is cool. Uh, something that we really haven't gotten a lot of so far. And both guys have killed it specifically with the promo last night. Uh, the teasing of the finishers, each guy stealing each other's finisher, pretty simple stuff, basic stuff. But this has been to me, the second best thing in the company so far behind uh, MGF and Wardlow going into this pay-per-view. So I'm looking forward to the match. And like I said, the fact it can go either way is what's really exciting about it to me. It's a fresh matchup. Punk has killed it, like John said, against everyone he's had a match with, either on TV, on pay-per-view so far. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I would pull the trigger on a Punk win right here and just give him the championship. I think Paige has been great. And the big criticism, I would agree with to a certain extent. It has not been a bad run. I think if you compare it to other reigns, it definitely has been slightly underwhelming to no fault of his own. Uh, just with the MJF stuff, killing it with punk before revolution, going into that pay-per-view, just how they've positioned him as champion, not being the focal point of the show. Uh, the Danielson feud was great. It kind of teetered off from there. The Cole stuff was very good. It's weird because all everything he's been involved in has been great, but I think people kind of set a standard a little too high. And again, I've been underwhelmed myself to a certain extent, but it's not been a bad run. But if it ended here after six months, six and a half months as champion, which it's wild to think it's been that long, I think he can kind of tip his hat and say, listen, it's been a good run. And then he can always, you know, get the belt back at some other point. But yeah, with Forbidden Door right around the corner, all out coming out probably in Chicago as well. This seems like the right time to put the belt on Punk. And I would love for the feud to continue beyond this point. It really feels like we've only scratched the surface as far as what these two could do on the mic uh, as far as the feud goes coming at a double or nothing. I think that's a great point. You can definitely see that coming in, you know, yeah, the build to Chicago and, and then on, but then it moving and like, hey, Page has kind of established himself a little bit at, at the very least with this title run where he's like, hey, he's a, he's a viable competitor. He's a top star. He might not have the title right now, but hey, who's to say he's not going to get it back again? Connor, let's get your thoughts, predictions, and the thought to the build and all that stuff. And anything else you want to add regarding this? Graham, you kind of touched on it. Uh, it seems like everybody kind of has amnesia with Hangman Page. We all look at his reign and say, eh, it's kind of underwhelming. He hasn't really delivered. And then every title match he's had has been excellent. Even the ones that it didn't quite make sense that they would be great. We're great. Looking at you, Lance Archer, Texas Deathmatch, <laughs> and Lambert at ringside for some reason. Um, and then every promo he cuts is, you know, from ranges from good to excellent. And yet we all just still kind of sit here collectively and go, it's underwhelming, even though nothing has really underwhelmed. So it, it's a strange phenomenon I've seen online. But at the same time, I'm very good with Punk winning this one. I think I, I love how Tony had his first world for world champions mapped out. He's talked about it as much. If Punk wasn't supposed to be the fifth, I think he needs to take a look around and go, he has never been hotter. His momentum has not slowed down since he got here. This is the time to pull the trigger and say, CM Punk is your AEW world champion. Take that into the next major event in Chicago. So basically you can pair him up with anybody and it's the natural main event, whether it's Tana, Okada, uh, not Ibushi, because I don't know how that's going to work basically name one of 10 people and it's fine it's a main event it's punk toriano yeah, sure it'd be funny <laughs> i you don't you forget toriano versus john moxley oh that i know it that. ruled it was great that was a fantastic match uh no I, i'm good with punk winning 
And if, if that sets Paige on a route for redemption, that's great for him. It lines up a ton of dream matches that we've all been kind of waiting for Punk to get around to. And uh, it, it, it gives AEW that next shot in the arm it needs because we're all kind of waiting for, we're talking about, hey, how's the fan base going to grow? How's the ratings for Dynamite going to expand or the ratings for Rampage finally going to grow in that very unfortunate time slot? This is one of the ways you do that. Yeah, yeah, you want to further establish the title and create a lineage. And um, you have young guys like Hangman Page getting it, but you also kicked it off with Jericho. Why not get another established star back in the mix of that too? Bill, what about your thoughts here on this match? Uh, the build and who you think should win or may win? The build to it, to the match itself, I think has been entertaining. Um, should win? Honestly, I I'm going to say Hangman. I I don't know if he will. I think Hangman should. Uh, I feel like focus maybe on if you want to put a cap on his title reign, like a win over Punk would be great. I know it's probably not a popular opinion because you think like Forbidden Door, Chicago, who's going to come out at the end. I just, and I'll be honest, at the beginning of this whole thing, I thought, why are you even booking this match so early because it's a detriment to hangman's run but i i don't know i don't think i don't that that's the the weird position i'm in i don't think he's going to win but i think he should well and there's one point i want to make too that i think a reason that people feel the run may have been underwhelming with hangman page is that the chase was so good and in wrestling and and most forms of storytelling the chase is ultimately what you get people to invest in so when you have something that reaches the climax that the hangman page chase did anything that follows up beyond that is going to be really hard to engage in in the same way now cm punk found himself in a similar position when he won the wwe championship in 2011 it was all about that chase and when his run as champion started to kind of fizzle out a bit what he do turned heel and everything changed from there and we got a totally different punk dynamic so i am curious to see how the heel face dynamic plays into all this if if punk were to turn if hangman were to turn which i i don't think would be a good idea but uh, you never know there's a lot of different elements yeah going into that title and uh having that match you're and creating that gray area i think has created the intrigue of hey who is somebody gonna turn heel uh and what is gonna be next for that i think it opens up the door for like, hey, Page could lose this match. He could win it, and maybe that's would further cultivate a heel turn for CM Punk. Graham, were you going to say something? No, I was just going to say you guys were talking about earlier about you know Page and the fact that it's been underwhelming. I talked a little bit about about it earlier, but I think another thing too to mention, kind of going off of what Bill said, if Hangman wins, it's definitely not the end of the world for Punk. He can always win the championship at another point. And honestly, I think a win over Punk. I'm still petitioning for Punk to win, but if Page were to win. I think that might honestly be the turning point for Page because he's beaten top names. I mean, he beat Brian Danielson in like one of the best matches that we've ever gotten in the company, especially on Dynamite. He's beaten Cole. He handed him his first loss. Lance Archer's kind of an afterthought, but that was a notable win. He beat Cole again. I uh, beat a few people on Dynamite. So that being said, he needed he needs another notable win as champion, another like big name to beat. Punk would be that guy. And if he wins here, he could hold a chance. Like, honestly, this is really it. Either the rain ain't ends here for Paige. I guess he could lose it next month at Forbidden Door. But 
I, honestly, he could hold the championship for another six months. I don't know if every AEW need, champion needs to be a year long reign. I mean, we saw that with Omega. We saw that with Moxley. I think it would be refreshing if we got one with Paige where it wasn't a month or two long. This isn't WWE where they drop it the next day. I know Bully Ray was petitioning for that. That would have been ridiculously dumb. Um, it's been six months. It's been a healthy amount of time. But if he wins here and he could turn heel, I don't know if I would love that idea either. I don't, not super high on that, but. This could take them all the way through full gear if they wanted to go that way. And maybe at some point they do turn them heel and they revisit the Omega stuff at full gear for the third year in a row, this time with Paige as the heel. I don't know. There's a million different ways you can go with this. There is it. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you too uh, in the regards of like, hey, it might be a little quick to do that with, with Hangman and stuff turning them heel. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, I think part our- of the problem too was you, you and John kind of mentioned it, like the chase was really good, but it almost felt like it peaked early in, in a few ways. Like you had the title change, you had grand slam, the stuff with Danielson and then very good title defenses. He was in some meaningful programs, but like the Texas death match with Lance Archer, like it felt like it came out of nowhere and it was, a, it was a good match, a solid win for him. But then it just, it was like, what was the reason for that? And then facing Cole so many times and, that had a death match. It just, I feel like, yes, the the feud Hangman and Punk has been very good, and you you have a solid title reign for for Page, but you kind of put him in a position that maybe you want to protect him from if it was any earlier, or you know, I I just I don't know. It's a weird position to be in. I think you know, when you look back and you look actually how many title defenses he had and what he actually did in hindsight, like, okay, it's, it's a solid run, but maybe right now I understand the uh, questioning or the frustration with some people thinking like, Oh, maybe his title reign was underwhelming. It's a delicate balance for sure. And I mean, it's almost like to John's point, the thrill of the chase is really what sells it. Like, look what dusty Rhodes kept going back to that. Heck, even on the office, we had Jim and Pam. Once they got together, it was kind of lame after the fact. <laughs> so. That's because Pam kind of sucks and Karen's actually the better. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, we could have some debate here. <laughs> but this is not <laughs> as much as it could be. It's not about the office. So Let's who's, talk. Oh, who's Brian in AEW? <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's a niche that's season nine reference. That's good. Oh, my. <laughs> All right, well, let's go to the next uh, one of the next big headline matches, and that's what we touched upon just a little bit was MJF versus Wardlow. Uh, let's get it, your, your guys' thoughts on the build. I, I kind of have a hunch it might be on the same page with all that, but let's see what it is and wh- how, how do you ultimately see this going to uh, Champ Connor? Let's start with you. So I adore the build, and I think that the comparisons it keeps drawing to Triple H versus Batista only work on the superficial level if you actually go through the steps of what Wardlow and MJF have been doing only the initial character dynamic of hey here's the hired muscle standing next to the coward that's kind of where it ends Uh, everything about oh you're still stuck under contract with me I'm going to take away your entrance music you're going to try and attack me for weeks then I'm going to take away your entrance music make you walk down to the ring in handcuffs surrounded by security guards in the version of the Bill Goldberg entrance that makes sense, and then have you beat up a bunch of random giants to finally get a match with me only after going through even more crap, 
none of that is Dave never had to go through any of that to try to get to, to Hunter. It was all, Hey, win the Royal rumble. And there you go off, uh, off yard or WrestleMania. I still, I've, I've loved so many different aspects of this. They have, they have found ways to amplify Wardlow's cool factor with, with just the tiniest adjustments to his presentation. You know, it, it goes so, it goes so much more than just, Oh, he does a lot of power bombs. Now it's, oh, he is an unstoppable force. And when he gets you in that power bomb, you, you can't escape because he's just going to keep hitting with you with it until you can't get up. I love that idea. And I, I, there was even, even the, we're going to retread the Cody stuff. We're going to do the lashings again. We're going to do the cage match again. At first I was like, really? Are we just out of ideas and we're doing this again? No, we're going to do a spin on all of them where he doesn't even sell the whippings. And then the cage match, you have Max as the referee. By the way, I don't know if anybody saw this, but the Road 2 video that came out before Dynamite, Sean Spears gave one of the most chilling promos I've ever seen involving his abusive father in a giant wrench. If you haven't seen it, oh my God, (laughs) it it came out of nowhere. I'm like, where is this been? And then the match wound up just being a ton of fun. The crowd is incredibly behind Wardlow. Here's your next homegrown top star right here. Coming out of yet another storyline that took years to finish. And yeah, you know, Sunday, you know, Sunday's match could be a two minute, just obliterating squash. And I don't think anybody's going to complain. It could be a 20 minute barn burner. And I think everybody's happy with it. Either way, I think we know, I think the answer is pretty obvious. Wardlow's winning here. I, I don't know how you get out of it if, if he doesn't. But I, I've loved it so far, and I expect nothing but great things here to wrap it up. 100%. Graham, let's get your thoughts, brother. I'm going to copy and paste literally everything Connor just said into my own analysis here. But, yeah, I've loved the feud and the fact that, like, like Connor had said, I was also skeptical when they announced the stipulations. Okay, the cage, the lashings. It was kind of like a merging of the Cody MJF feud from two years ago and then the MJF Jericho feud from last year because even before that, he was facing opponent after opponent. I'm thinking – Okay, like Connor said, are we out of ideas here? What's going on? But it's worked. I mean, if it was a bad, I mean, I don't want them to revisit this or do the same. And even Punk on had to do the same thing a couple of months ago, literally just recently. But it's worked. I don't want them to do this again anytime soon. That's really the key here. They can't repeat this formula probably for the next couple of years with MGF because a lot of his feuds have kind of gone not repetitive, but in a good way because they've all been great. The Punk one was great. The Jericho one ended up being towards the end very good as well. Even Cody, especially as well. So this has been awesome. Wardlow, they've made a homegrown star out of. You could talk about the four pillars. He's got to either be on those pillars or among those pillars or a fifth pillar or whatever. It's all about the aftermath here. I mean, obviously he's going to get over and working with the top heel in the company. It's really to me, because he's winning Sunday, obviously. It, it's really to me about where you go from here. Does he go for the title after this? I mean, I wouldn't do that right away. Is there another top heel, maybe not on the level of MJF, but like right below that, like a Jericho feud for me? I don't know if that sounds overly enticing at this point. Like, I don't know. I would really have to look at the roster. They have a whole wealth of talent. So there's a lot of different places they can go with this. The build has been great, though. I'm looking forward to the match. And for me, a little side note, I'm just looking forward to what kind of music they come up with for Wardlow. Maybe not at the pay-per-view, because obviously I think he's still technically under contract to him until after he beats him. So obviously he's winning. Um, I'm curious if they give him new music next Wednesday or 
if they play into the whole war pig thing, I don't know. Because they've been calling him a pig a lot. So I don't know if that's going to play into the music at all. The old music I just thought was trash. I'm just not a fan of it all. I mean, it worked, I guess, when he was a heel. I just thought it was silly. So maybe they give him new music. But I'm kind of excited to see what they do with that, too. Yeah, that'd be something to really deliver on, especially if you're putting your chips behind Wardlow as you're one of your top stars. I mean, give him the fucking copyrighted music or whatever. Uh, Bill, let's get your thoughts. Uh, yeah, I, I not completely copy and pasting, but uh, I think this one's done after this. I think it, it's gone on long enough. I won't say too long, but uh, I see the similarities with the labors of Jericho and then the, the lashings and all, you know, it seems like maybe be mindful and not do that a, f- a fourth time uh, next year. But um I'm fine with the feud. It's been very heated. It felt like, you know, we all knew quote unquote, when Wardlow was going to turn, we were like, Oh, it's going to happen in Cleveland. It's going to happen this week, blah, blah, blah. It's been very carefully executed. I think to a point, uh, what I don't really like is I feel like it's teetering that line of being corny with, uh, you know, keeping him in handcuffs and taking away his entrance music. And, you know, I'm under contract, like just to MJF. I think it, it's almost insulting to a point like kind of like how uh jbl had Shawn michaels working for him and big show was poor and that sort of stuff yeah like put your toe on the line don't cross it but like i still feel like all right give us a good blow off on on sunday and move on like i don't want to see this after sunday night john how about you what do you think? I think we need to give further flowers to Max because the job that Max has done in accentuating Wardlow and, and man, in order for someone to have a meteoric rise the way that Wardlow has, you need the perfect counterpart. And, and MJF is that in every way possible. It, it's no coincidence that the most intriguing feud the past two to three pay-per-views has been MJF. That's not a coincidence. He is that talented and he understands storytelling and the little nuances that go into storytelling to that degree uh, better than most people in professional wrestling do. I had a chance to actually interview Wardlow yesterday and we were talking about the three year build to this moment because it really is a three year build. And it's been very subtle piece by piece by piece by piece. And you always knew in the back with Wardlow hanging back there that one day that day was coming. And then slowly, once it started to unfold, it really became a very intriguing part of AEW television. I think Wardlow is going to be the breakout crossover star from AEW. If anyone is breaking into Hollywood, it is Wardlow. I also think Wardlow could go to WWE and become a big-time star there, truthfully, if he wanted to down the line, because he's got all the tools to do that. He, he's, he is James Bond. He's got that swagger. And uh, I'll tell you what, you want to make Wardlow a made man? He should squash Max in a minute. And we haven't seen Max with his back to the wall like that. He's always managed to weasel his way out of stuff. This is a loaded pay-per-view card. We don't need to see a 15-minute match between Wardlow and MJF. This should force Max to have to retreat and think his ways of how he does business because the one guy that he guaranteed on having his back ended up... uh, turning on him and then costing him everything. So uh, I, I would love to see a quick squash here. And I think it would make Wardlow a main man. I think the one mistake AEW made was having that match open dynamite 
on Wednesday. I think it should have closed the show. The lasting image of that show should have been Wardlow like King Kong on top of that cage with Max shitting himself up the entranceway. That is a hell of an image to go off the air with. And, and that was the one mistake I think it made. All right. If they were to give Wardlow uh, a Bruce song for his entrance, what would be there, John? A Bruce song? Yeah, it has to know. be a Bruce song. I don't know if I would say Springsteen fits the the ward. I don't think box, it does, but it doesn't. This weighs it out. You got. We, we only have so much time here. <laughs> I guess bored <laughs> to run because the last line is someday, girl. I don't know when we're going to get to that place where we really want to go, and someday Wardlow is going to get there. So all right, all right. The James well, Bond thing is interesting. Uh, I, I'd love to know maybe who his favorite James Bond is. Is Daniel Craig? He said. <laughs> I was going to say where I wonder where I could watch that. Give you the plug. Come on. Oh, well, you can you can find out why he said it's Daniel Craig on adfreeshows.com. And and Connor, I even said there's the parallels, the Casino Royale scene where he's no selling, getting tortured. And, and I was like, oh, man, that's man. you on dynamite, man. Oh, shit. So, you're right. Yeah. There you go. I wouldn't want to see that weapon used in the ring, though. Jesus, no. man. Oh, my God. Well, yeah. Uh, all right. So as it stands right now, holy smokes, John, you really uh, went all out there. Pun kind of intended was uh, you have 11 points right now. Uh, Graham, you have nine points. Connor, you also have nine points. And Bill, you have eight points. So that's where it stands right now. But let's get to the next match here that uh, intrigues a lot of folks and how it's been. The build has been really fun. Uh, bringing Owen Hart into AEW has been so refreshing from a pro wrestling fan's perspective, it's almost, I want to say, kind of therapeutic in a lot of ways for us that experienced as kids or I'm sure as colleagues to see uh, Owen get embraced by pro wrestling under a, a light that is well-deserved. So um, I want to kick this off here with Graham since you you haven't gotten to, to kick this off. Uh, the finals, we'll, we'll do both of them. We'll do uh, the men's final and the women's final. Obviously, we don't know who is going to be in the women's final this juncture, but what's your kind of prediction and feel of all this and the tournament in general and the, the celebration of Owen in a lot of ways. Yeah, both have been great. Like you said, the fact we're getting to honor Owen, uh, especially in the month of May and the anniversary of his passing and whatnot has been very cool. Uh, very cool of AW a long time in the making. I mean, they announced this what in September, October, November, somewhere around there. It's been a long time. Um, so for the culminate for double or nothing has been cool. I feel like the build of this has kind of taken the place, at least for this year anyway, because I realized this morning there's no Casino Battle Royale this year, Double or Nothing, which is interesting. Um, but the involvement of everyone that would probably be in that thing has been in these tournaments. Uh, with the women as well, it's given them more meaning, and obviously their women's division has been a point of contention for a while, and understandably so. They've given them more stories, more time with these matches. Not every match has been a barn burner. Baker and Storm was underwhelming, unfortunately, last night, at least in my opinion. Um, but we're going to get two very good matches on Sunday, I'm sure with Baker and either Statlander or in Soho or uh, and, and Joe and Cole as well. So the matches have been very good, uh, both on the men's and women's side, some more than others. As far as who I have winning, I mean, the, again, it goes back to what I was saying about Punk and Page. They could very well go either way. Um, I would really hope Baker won't win again. I mean, she just wrapped up her year-long title reign. I like Baker. We're all Baker fans for the most part. Whether it's Soho or Statlander, both of them lost to Baker late last year, one at All Out and one on Dynamite in New York City a few weeks later. Give them the chance to avenge the loss, pick up the win. Statlander would be even cool. I love Soho, but Statlander is like an AEW original. She's been there forever. She hasn't won anything yet. Soho hasn't either, but you know she has more time. I mean, Statlander's been here for three years. Give her a chance. Joe and Cole, 
Neither are AEW originals. Not that it really matters, but uh, Joe hasn't lost yet. I'm going to go with Cole, though, just because kind of for the same reason, Joe has the Ring of Honor TV title for whatever that's worth to AEW fans. Cole lost the world title opportunity twice. Uh, Give him this. My question, I guess, my only two nitpicks of this whole thing would be two things. One, the thing kind of felt rushed. I know that maybe it was intentional to do it in the month of May because of the Owen Hart ties to the month. I wish they had stretched this out over April and May. I mean, the fact that we're only finding out who's in the women's final on Friday, two days before the pay-per-view, to me, I mean, I guess it's nice hype for that show, but still, I would have rather they stretched it out, given some of the matches more time. That and the fact that, I mean, obviously there's rumors, if not flat-out confirmation, that each winner is getting a trophy and a title or both or whatever. I mean, that's cool. I don't know if they need more championships to be defended. It might be just an honorary thing, which is cool. But, like, do they get an actual title shot coming out of this? And, again, the fact they're honoring Owen is what's most important. But, like, I think of it not to compare, but, like, the Dusty Classic or the Mae Young Classic, they did that to honor those people. And the winners got title shots. It's something for fans to really invest in. Um, so it's not imperative that they're for title shots, but I would hope that whoever wins Cole, Soho, Statlander, Joe, whatever they come out of this Baker and get title shots or do something meaningful. They don't just win a trophy and then we don't see Ruby Soho and dynamite for another two or three months. I mean, that's just my own personal hope. So I'm looking forward to both matches. I've got Cole winning for the men and I'm going to say between Soho and Statlander Soho wins and she beats Baker on Sunday. Yeah. I'm with you on those predictions. Uh, Bill, let's get your take on this next. So Tony kind of answered this uh, on the call today, just about the format. Uh, He said he didn't want to burn talent out and do, you know, somebody asked about uh, why you haven't done a one night tournament or if you would consider it. So I understand it from that perspective. This is me maybe putting on the tinfoil hat a little bit, uh, but Ruby and Britt are on carpool karaoke, the show uh, the new season debuts on Friday. Maybe that's why they put her match on rampage and why they're waiting to confirm that because, you know, you can get a little press out of it. Uh, I don't know if that's the case, but that was just when I found out the premiere date of the episode, I was like, okay, maybe, you know, Ruby's going to make it to the final Brit's going to make it to the final ride that wave of nice Apple TV plus press through the weekend uh brit's in uh ruby has to beat chris i think ruby's gonna win uh as far as what they get i feel like if they do it the right way winning the owen and maybe letting them carry around a trophy or have some sort of uh you know some something that's not like one of those three foot tall or six foot tall like i got my brown belt in karate trophies that kids walk around with or like the andre the giant trophy like something you know just that reminds you like the diamond dynamite diamond battle royal ring like you know it comes into play every once in a while but just something meaningful to the heart family meaningful to the winner maybe that a nice incentive would be to get a title shot, but I don't know if I think it's necessary. Something that'd be kind of cool is like, you do like a, like a badge, almost like when uh, an NFL player wins the Walter Payton man of the year award or something you can mm-hmm. put on your attire, or it's just something that, that, that would be a nice little key for you to run around. Plus, Hey, you get a fucking title shot too. That'd be pretty nice. Uh, John, how's your build been? 
Uh, I think that Adam Cole is winning the men's side. I think Adam Cole embodies a lot of what great characteristics heel Owen Hart had. And there's clearly influence from Owen Hart in Adam Cole's work. Plus, with Samoa Joe having this feud going with Jay Lethal, it seems like there's an opportunity for some Ruhaha to incorporate itself into that match. So I'm, I'm going with Adam Cole on that side. On the female side, uh, Britt Baker is a made woman. She is a legacy person as far as AEW is concerned. This is an opportunity to give something to Ruby Soho to elevate her. They've had a few opportunities to do so, and they haven't quite given her that chance. So I think Ruby Soho is someone that can be a big pillar of your women's division. She's somebody I would like to see have the opportunity to run as a big babyface. Fans care about Ruby Soho. She gets good reactions every time she's out there. And yeah, she she's someone that I think they can prove to WWE and the rest of the world, hey, you missed the boat on this girl. She's got something to offer. And I think her winning the Owen would be an excellent opportunity for that. I, I would have liked to have seen the champion the championship matches or the finals matches established a little ahead of time just because we could have then heard some promos on dynamite and on rampage this week on why winning the owen means so much for these individual people and i think from a motivation standpoint that would have gone a long way yeah uh, i think that's something that really misses a lot of the, these talents that aren't up the top of the card they don't get a lot of chance to speak on so much you're squeezing so much onto one show I think that's been an issue and that would have been a good thing to kind of build to it a little bit and, and add a little bit more. Not that it's not intriguing, but a little bit more intrigue to it. Um, yeah. Uh, next up, let's talk about the tag team. Oh, get the card, go ahead. <laughs> oh Jesus. It's a non-title Connor. match. I know, but non-title. Well, we're going to, I was going to no sell you. Going to no sell you. Okay. Well, there Connor, you go. But what are you going to do? <laughs> okay. So for the men's, I, 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 I'm going to follow the pattern. It's Adam Cole's the obvious answer. John, you mentioned the, the, what he's taken away from heel Owen Hart, but I want to take it in a different direction. He's taken so much away from heel Shawn Michaels. And we know very well just how close those two were when he was in NXT. And there is no greater poetic irony than the guy that represents Shawn Michaels to win a trophy dedicated to a member of the Hart family. And he's a heel. So you're playing into that. Now, the, the rumor right now, it, it's not that it's not a trophy. It's that they're each going to get championship belts, but they're going to be treated kind of like the dynamite diamond ring where you hold them, you don't defend them, but you carry them around. And just like the diamond ring, it could be a great prop for trying to cheat, which is great when you're a heel. So that's why I think Adam winning, uh, that gives him another boost. He, I don't see him winning the AEW World Championship for a while. And in order to keep him keep them hot, keep, you know, keep them in people's minds. You got to have them win something, especially while we're all still kind of waiting around for Kenny Omega to come back. And the storyline of the elite can finally move forward. Cause we've all just been kind of jogging in place, waiting for that to happen and whatever it's going to mean for the trios championships. When they get introduced, who's leading the elite, how does bullet club play into all of this? Does any of that come into effect next month at forbidden door? Jay white said this show is going to belong to bullet club. Adam Cole's cool with bullet club. How do the bucks feel about this? There's like 20 different threads and we got to start pulling on one of them. Cause right now it's just a pile and a pile of threads is not interesting. Now, as for the women's uh, tournament, I'm going to go with Ruby. Uh, Britt is great, but she is starting to dip her toe into the direction of Charlotte Flair in that we don't quite know what to do with her when she doesn't have some sort of championship involved. She doesn't need this one. 
Chris Statlander is a original for AEW, that is for sure. But I feel like they still haven't quite figured out what's going on with her character. We know what she's not. We know she's not the alien. But the tagline, more than a woman, what does that mean? She changed the hair. She's still, she still got the eye stuff going. The best friends, by all indication, are kind of done. So what what is she doing? I don't know. Whereas with Soho, everybody loves her. She's had massive reactions every time she's come out, but she's also come up short trying to get both of the women's championships. Give her this. It's a nice little, hey, you're fantastic, and this is acknowledging that. Um, overall, I think the tournament's been great. I'm glad that they've announced that this is going to be a yearly thing. Um, I'm with Tony in that I don't think it needs to be an old school King of the Ring where it needs to be crowned in one night. If you go back and watch a lot of those shows, a lot of them are bad. And but at the same time, stretching it out a little bit more would have been nice. It did feel like we were kind of rushing it towards the end there. Yeah, it was a lot squeezed in, a lot squeezed in there. But all right, uh, I think the next match I had in mind that I wanted to cover, we don't have to cover all of them, but I did want to talk about the Hardys versus Young Bucks. Yes. Uh, obviously, a lot of ties going on. There's, there's a, a, there's a conf- conflict of interest <laughs> in, in this topic. Maybe there is. Maybe there is. But mm-hmm. we have to talk about it. We cannot okay. not cover Hardys versus Young Bucks. So, hey, and let's lean into that conflict of interest. I'm going to give it to John first. What do you it's have to conflict. say? <laughs> what do you think about this match? How's the build been? All that kind of thing. Young Bucks suck. <laughs> no, no, man. I mean, listen. I think that this has been a match that both tag teams have probably wanted for a really long time. And we last saw it five years ago, which is insane to think about that. It's been five years since we last saw this. The Hardys are a different tag team than they were then. There's no questions asked. Both of them have slowed down in their own ways. But I also think both of them have probably become a little smarter. Uh, as as they've engaged in in different opponents and and how they wrestle, I think that the young bucks are just so still somehow underrated as storytellers. I, I think that people don't give them the credit they deserve in how they are able to lean into individual storytelling elements in every single one of their matches, every single one of their feuds, and I think they're going to get a great match out of the Hardys. I really do, and. Yeah, you know, Graham said before they could have gone with an eight-man tag here. I'm not sure that that was the plan ever. I I think that they've wanted to do this match for a long time. And how good it ends up being, I'm not sure. But I I do think at the end of the day, the goal here is to ensure that you're putting a bow tie on a great story that has been told through multiple promotions over the past six, seven years. And I think it will be harmless. And, and the bottom line is, we, we all know, I mean, the Hardys are still rock stars. Jeff Hardy in particular is still a rock star. So uh, the reactions will be there for this match, I believe. And uh, truthfully, I'm probably going with the Young Bucks here. Oh, well, yeah. Well, I know you can really go. Uh, certainly, if you want to continue the feud. Don't tell make- him I said that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm going to send it to him on social media. <laughs> Uh, Graham, let's get your thoughts on this one. Yeah. I mean, just based off the sheer fact, like John said, there's a lot of history there. And as they mentioned earlier, the build has been good. I mean, they've definitely been teasing it after because the Hardys were busy with the Andrade family office stuff, which 
maybe I'm missing something. I don't know if it, that we ever got a real culmination with that. I thought we might get like Andrade and he won't be on the show, obviously, which is fine. Not everyone's going to be on every show. We already have like a million matches on this card. Um, they kind of were doing the Owen Hart cup stuff with Jeff in there. And, you know, now that we have the, the buck stuff, a lot of this build, I think, which has been nice. It's a positive, but a negative. A lot of it has been taking place on being the elite. If you watch being the elite, almost the entire build is taking place on there. If you don't watch being the elite, which there is an audio, that segment of the audience that doesn't, that's a problem. I thought a big the problem, segment, I think a big segment. Yeah. So like a lot of that stuff has happened on an internet show where we don't see that footage on dynamite. They may reference it. I know they had the Hardy's promo last night, which was great. I don't know. I'm looking forward to the match. I just wish that it felt a little bit bigger. I think they're just kind of relying on the history from five years ago, which again, I love those matches. I love that they did them. I'm glad we're going back to it. I don't think any of us ever saw a day where we would be seeing another Hardy boys versus young bucks match, especially in AEW. I just didn't think that would ever happen. So the fact to get that chance again is cool. Uh, I agree with John, the bucks is storytellers. You can go to the revolution 2020 match, even as recently as even six months ago with the page when he won the world title, when yep. they did the little nod thing. And we have yet to kind of go back to that. And hopefully at some point we will, I'm sure they will. Um, it just, everything they've done has been great. And the Hardys, for as much as they've slowed down, like John said, again, he, they're still immensely popular. The reactions, they are rock stars. They're incredible. So they're going to go in there. They're going to have a fun match with a team they know very well from over the years. Um, as well, as far as who goes over here, I'm thinking the Hardys. They've talked a lot about it on their own social media, on TV. They mentioned it last night. They want the tag team titles. Do they put the tag team titles on them? Ultimately, Maybe. I mean, to give them all the titles, they've had every single major set of championships across all these companies, except for AEW for the most part. So I would probably give them the titles. But anyway, to get from here to there, we don't know how many years these guys have left, especially I mean, they're, it's only they're only going to get older from this point forward. I would start that build now. I don't know if we would get it all, at all out or not, but I would give them a win on this show. The Bucks can lose a million matches and still be incredibly over because they're the young Bucks. Same for the Hardys as well. But I'm thinking like because AEW takes the win-loss record so seriously, which is great, they've incorporated that a lot more in the last year, they should probably win here. And we don't have we haven't seen a major Hardy Boys win yet. They beat Butcher and Blade in a, in a not so great match, and the, the private party match was good. They beat them. We haven't seen them a lot in tag team action on their own. So they need to beat a big tag team. I think we get that on Sunday. That continues the Bucks kind of feeling down on themselves, their issues with Undisputed Elite, whatever, yeah. and the Hardys can go on to bigger and better things for the tag team title. So that's my prediction. That's some good points. Bill, how do you feel about uh, something I took away from uh, Dynamite last night, too, was um, just the go-home promo. I talked to John about that last night. Was the go-home promo for Hardy and well, for both Hardys, Jeff and Matt. And uh, it really kind of did, like, supplement maybe some of the build that they did not get. Uh, I even it, it was a behind the scenes one. So I, I thought that a lot of that kind of added to it, but I want to get your thoughts. How did as baby faces and legacy stars and all that stuff coming into it, how did, how has they been presented at this point? And now what do you think overall coming into the pay-per-view against, you know, a team, the, the young bucks cosplay young bucks Hardys. I don't know why I keep going back to this, but uh, young bucks versus FTR like, you know, hype to no end, the first match. Uh, and it was like, okay, mixed reaction. And then the second one kind of came out of nowhere, like with a couple days and it blew everybody away. I kind of feel like they're in a situation with this one too, where 
they didn't put too much emphasis on this one. They let it play out, you know, yep. and uh, that <laughs> that was not intentional. <laughs> <laughs> they let things uh, play out on, like you said, like not on dynamite. It was on the 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 web. So it wasn't like beating you over the head. Like this is a dream match and this is a, the, you know, they let it organically turn into something and then, okay, by the way, we have to promote the match. So let's do the promo. But I, I don't really care if this is necessarily the beginning of a feud or a one-off. Like I am kind of just excited about this match for the fact that it's the first one in five years or however long Supercard was because that was such a great match. And obviously they couldn't go back to that for many reasons besides where they worked, but they didn't go right to that match here in AEW. They got to a point where it made sense to do. And if you look at the card, this is, I mean, where's it going to end up the middle of the card, maybe open the show. Like, If they have two matches on the buy-in, there's 11 matches confirmed right now. So, you know, it's, I think it's going to go on early. I think people are going to be happy. You're going to leave people wanting more, but do we get it after this? I don't know. Like, I I like the idea that leave them wanting more. And I think it it could be the way that people felt about Young Bucks and uh, Lucha Bros. Every time they get together, it's a banger of a match but they don't always go right back to it. Yeah, no, I mean, that that's the always thing. You can tap back into it. Connor, as far as the build goes and everything, and, like, heck, uh, getting the Hardys into the mix, uh, does did this all make sense to you? And especially, too, I want to get your thoughts, too. What Graham and Bill mentioned, too, was, like, just being, a lot of it being built on BTE. Was that uh, contradictory or counterproductive in a lot of ways? If there was any match that I've, feel was i'm if there's any match that i am okay with them building up mostly on youtube it's these two because look at these two tag teams you have the young bucks created the being the elite youtube channel which in its own way helped drive the popularity to the point where all aew became a thing matt hardy took his youtube channel and amplified his debut over an AEW tenfold. I don't know if you guys were following along with it when that one happened, but the video of him of his spirit ascending to AEW went on moments before he actually showed up on the show. So if you were paying attention, it was fantastic. Um, so as far as this one playing out mostly on BT, I'm good with it. I I, I think if it were any other match, I'd be like, eh, that that is weird. Why this isn't going on AEW? I don't like how you know, the, the promos from the web show are getting kind of parroted on Dynamite proper. I give it a pass with these four men specifically. So we're good on that one. As far as the match itself, I think the Hardys, when they knew they were coming to AEW, I think if they looked at any match and said, I don't care how old we are, we have to give it our absolute all for one more go, it's a match with the Young Bucks. There, there's so much history there. Their first match, people forget it was a ladder war. So it's this giant stunt fest. It wasn't a proper tag team match. We're finally getting that now. And you also can't tell me that this is going to be their first because I am perfectly, because I don't think 
if it was a one and done, I think the Hardys would have looked at him and go, no, we're, we're putting the bucks over. We are already well-established rock stars, future hall of famers. We have nothing left to prove, but if it's not going to be a one and done, if it's going to be the first of at least a couple and maybe a visit to the Hardy compound makes all the sense in the world for the Hardys to win this first one. The bucks are in kind of a funk. We don't, again, we don't know what's all going on with Kenny, with Cole, Bullet Club, Undisputed Era, that whole thing. So playing into that, they haven't gotten their groove back yet, and they need to. This continues that downward trend. I'm good with the Hardys winning. I'd love for them to eventually chase for the AW tag titles if, say, Starks and Hobbs somehow got them and then turned right around and faced, hey, now you're facing a real tag team, and it's one of the greatest to ever do it. It would make sense for them to lose the titles in, say, three weeks. They could run up against Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, and it'd be as simple as, look, we are more experienced than you. And by the way, Christian behind you just, just betrayed you. So we, we win that part, too, because um, we got history with that guy. Um, and then the Young Bucks can turn around in a year from now and be challenging them for the tag titles. I'm perfectly good with Hardy's taking this first one. And I, again, I'm good with the build as how it was. I just know from a storytelling standpoint, I so badly, because the whole build has been your bunch of Hardy cosplayers, blah, blah, blah. I so badly want to see the Hardys hit super kicks on the Young Bucks. Ooh. I think what a great full circle storytelling moment that would be. And, uh, you know, too, we haven't even talked. They've talked about wanting the New Japan tag titles, too. So even if they didn't go that route, we got Forbidden Door coming up. So that's always a way you could go, too. It's an interesting point. Yeah, very interesting. Um, wow. Yeah, I yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat with Bill. Like, I do want to. I would love to see this build and like it, maybe more of it get put on the mainstream platform of TNT. But the simple fact that it is the Young Bucks and the Hardys going after five years. I mean, I'm kind of excited for just just that, let alone. So, um, yeah, I think yeah, there's a lot of good points here. Uh, well, this, I think this will be our final match unless anybody wants to cover another match, but I was going to go with the women's title, uh, to close everything out. Uh, we have Thunder Rosa taking on Serena Deeb. Uh, Thunder Rosa cut a big promo last night. Uh, a lot got, that got a lot of feedback on social media, Twitter, especially. Um, so I will start this off finally with the champ here and Connor Casey. Go ahead. A bit of a cheap plug here. I talked to Rosa yesterday. That interview is dropping tomorrow. Um, Rosa, while the build to this match has not been great, um, through very little fault of her own, I think there's going to be a ton of emotion going into this match. Um, she's talked about this a little bit elsewhere, but her, her, uh, face paint and gear for this match are going to be dedicated, um, to a lot of women who have disappeared and presumably died in border towns in Mexico. Um, on top of that, uh, we're unfortunately going to have to get topical here. She's from San Antonio and not too far from there was where the, unfortunately the latest shooting occurred. And uh, she told me as much, she knows she's walking in with that too. So I know that for a while, for as much of a mess as it's kind of been on TV between the two, why Rosa isn't allowed to go stand in the ring and cut a promo. Why Tony always needs to be involved for some reason. It's, it's been clunky, but we know there's going to be a, she's going to go in with, as an absolute house of fire. Deeb is simply fantastic. I have yet to see that woman put on a bad match in AEW ring. Every single time she got in there with Sheeta, it was a banger. 
and everyone just kind of forgot. And then uh, two months later, they'd bring out another one. And somehow this thing lasted eight months. It was fantastic. Um, they're they're going to kill it. They're going to absolutely kill it. Rosa wins because I don't think, I, I don't see the, like I just, with all that stuff riding on it, I really don't see the advantage in suddenly having her drop it and making her the shortest reign, reigning champion uh, with the women's title. Um, as to where you go from here, that's that's a $10 million question that I do not have the budget for. Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, you think of who might win the, uh, who might lose or who might win the uh, the Owen Hart Cup. Maybe that could be something you get kicking, but there's a lot of new talent, women's talent coming in too that might be respected. Heck, somebody might, we might not even have on the roster yet. Bill, let's go with you next. Uh, yeah, as far as the build and everything to that. And yeah, just the presentation of Deeb. Let's talk about that a little bit too in a little bit of detail. I really like how they've developed her and allowed her to develop a character, the professor of professional wrestling. Uh, I mean, look at history. Teacher characters or intellectuals have always been traditionally heels, but it's been like Dean Douglas, Matt Stryker, sort of, you know, comical to a point. I really feel like she found a good... uh, a good balance to show off her technical skill and her range as a character without, you know, leaning too hard one way or another or the other. Uh, Thunder Rose has done a lot of press this week. And uh, one of the interviews, she said that uh, Deeb's the perfect opponent for her. I really feel like that's the case here. Uh, as visual as Thunder Rosa and, you know, take into account the theme song what the, the face paint means to her. If you follow her story, it's, it's a really nice dynamic that they have going. Uh, I feel like Thunder Rose has got to win though. I don't, I don't think AEW should start worrying about, okay, well, this person's hot. I got to put the belt on them. I think stick with Thunder Rosa as the champion. I think, you know, you could in a way su- suffer the same pitfalls that you know maybe people want to say happened to hangman right now like it peaked in the chase and there was so much going into the you know the title match and beating brit where i think now you just got to keep giving her some really good content to work with deeb's the first step i think you know if uh ruby wins the owen and they do go that way with the title shot i think that's a very good baby versus baby feud yeah I think that could happen or Chris, I think, you know, maybe she wins and it's Chris versus Brit. I don't really think they should go. I don't think Brit's winning the tournament, but I don't think they should go back to Brit versus Thunder Rosa. But I think, you know, that semifinals match that's coming Friday really sets up Thunder Rosa for the rest of the summer, at least gives her another meaningful feud until they start building towards all out. Yeah. Now there's a lot that there's, some options it's just a matter i feel a lot of the times it goes to like hey how are you how are you fitting all these people on the card and they don't get enough time a lot of it. i think that's just the huge issue but um john okay uh as far as everything goes for you how, how's how do you feel about thunder rosa her presentation as a champion and then just moving forward here to this match and maybe possibly onward from uh double or nothing here with her 
I don't feel great about it, honestly. I like Thunder Rosa a lot. I think she's a tremendous talent. I think she's somebody that the fans really feel with and, and enjoy watching. I think it's become a meme at this point that it's like, all right, Tony Schiavone interviewing Thunder Rosa. Who's going who's gonna to interrupt now? And that's pretty much every Thunder Rosa segment. When she didn't get interrupted the other day, I was like, whoa, <laughs> like, like, this is something new. But... I, I like Serena Deeb a lot. She's a great talent. I remember being at Double or Nothing last year, and I think it was her and Riho had the pre-show match, and I thought that was yeah. just a stellar match. So I think that the two of them are going to have a hell of a pro wrestling match. I think having been at most of... I've been at every AEW pay-per-view since Double or Nothing 2020. There weren't any fans there, but for everyone since then. And unfortunately, most of the women's championship matches come in a down period of the night. And I worry about that happening again on this card. It's super loaded. There's a lot. The MJF Wardlow match with the world championship match. I, I, I worry it can fall through the cracks. And I have no doubt they're going to deliver a great pro wrestling match. But... I'm very curious to see how engaged the crowd is because Serena Deeb, I feel like she definitely connects with the pro wrestling fan, but are, is the more casual fan that's tuning into this pay-per-view or, or watching, are they really going to be invested in Serena Deeb because her presentation up until the last couple weeks or so has just kind of been, she's this angry wrestling veteran, right? And now we're starting to see a little more layer to it, but I hope it's enough to intrigue people. It's not a fault of either of them. I think they're both really, really good. I think it's going to be a great match. I've got Thunder Rosa retaining. And as for what's next, probably a turn from somebody, maybe a Chris Statlander or someone in that realm that would get, I would love to see heel Hikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa. I think that would be a great little match, but yeah, I, I, I can't confidently say where things are going with her. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot. Yeah. A lot you can go from there. Uh, Graham, does this match it, what, what John's to John's point, does this match can, can it get lost in the shuffle or will it have, has the potential to steal the show in a lot of ways too? Cause I mean, the word I, and I will say too, uh, the fans that are attending this are going to be more ardent fans. So, I mean, the reaction that they're going to get live and the star power and babyface oomph that Thunder Rosa has kind of might set it up in that a lot of ways. What do you think about all that? I would hope so. I mean, I think part of the problem with having such a stacked show is that there are going to be matches that get lost in the shuffle. Likely some of the ones we didn't discuss here today. Uh, it, it's bound to happen. The crowd is not going to be consistently hot for every single match. I mean, it's one of the positives of AEW that turns into a negative and that they have so many great matches that some on a normal pay-per-view would get a great reaction. But because we have five other amazing matches, this one may not be, the crowd may not be as loud for this one. Uh, that might be the case here. I'm hoping that I'm hoping they do steal the show like Johnson. I'm glad you brought that up. The Riho Serena match from last year's pre-show great. was awesome. That is one of the more underrated matches of 2021 because a lot of people don't talk about it enough. It happened on the pre-show. And I feel like Serena has perfectly played the role of spoiler. Like, I think everyone expected Riho to win that match. Um, I think it was for the NWA title. I don't remember. Yes. I think it was. Yep. All right. So it was not that Riho was going to win, but I think people wanted Riho to win. And that was where like the shades of, of heel Serena. And then you go on to the uh, Hakura Shida feud, which went on for like six months and they had a lot of good matches. But the first one being where everyone kind of expected Sheeta to win. It was like Sheeta's 100th win if she won. It was the 100th or the two-year anniversary of Dynamite or whatever. And then Serena won. She's like, screw you guys. Like, I'm going to spoil the party type thing. Um, I think ultimate version of that would be her winning on Sunday. I don't know if I would do that. I don't think we're going to get that. Rosa is only two months into her reign. Could she lose it here and get it back? Yeah, that's not really AEW's forte. I know it has been with the TNT title, but... 
at this point, that's about as valuable as the belt around my waist right now. I mean, that's why it's not on the pay-per-view on Sunday. It is what it is. Um, but with this match, I'm looking forward to it. I'm honestly in the minority. I think that I love the segment with Serena from, I think a week ago when her slapping Dustin laying up Britt Baker, it, it wasn't the greatest promo I've ever seen, but one, I'm glad they took a chance on her and let her speak for like five to seven minutes or whatever it was. Um, I thought she handled herself very well. The what chants were awful. I mean, that's not her fault. Um, the people just, and I don't want to blame the fans. It's kind of a, it's kind of a combination of both people have just been conditioned to not overly care about her. Cause she wasn't on TV consistently enough. We know she's a great wrestler, but I've been to a handful of AEW shows in the last six months and she just doesn't get great reaction. So I'm hoping that this feud can kind of turn a corner. People can realize how good she is and what we saw last week and her slapping Dustin laying out thunder Rosa will get her more heat, so to speak, or whatever. And more people will react to her and give her the reaction she deserves. So I don't, I mean, you could accomplish that by having her win on Sunday and she would get a loud chorus of booze because no one wants Rosa to win. I wouldn't do that. That just seems like a Vince McMahon type thing to do. Um, but I'm looking forward to the match. It could very well steal the show. Both of these women are great. And I think if you think back, uh, I, I don't know if this has been brought up in the build at all, but these women have history. They feuded and had matches over the NWA women's world title as well in AEW. I think they had a match on Dynamite a few years ago. They had a match at an NWA. It was Deeb that beat Rosa for that NWA title and Rosa never avenged that loss. So they haven't gone back to that. They don't care about NWA. That's whatever. But um, I'm looking forward to the match. I think it's going to be great. And hopefully this is the win that kind of, it's weird to say get Rosa gets her back on track because she is the champion, but it's kind of like an Adam page thing right now where she hasn't been on TV a whole lot. She got a mic time yesterday and did a great job. As you guys mentioned, I'm hoping this kind of reminds people, wow, Thunder Rose is awesome. Uh, let's give her some more creative attention going forward beyond the show. As far as what's next, you guys answered that question. I have no idea. I mean, there's so many moving parts in that division. You could really put anyone in that spot and it would be fine. Uh, maybe a heel tie Conti at some point. I mean, she already's already got a bunch of title shots. I don't know if I would go to that immediately, but there's a couple different ways you can go with this. I think for now though, I'm glad this is on pay-per-view. It's not a dynamite match. Both women deserve it. And I'm looking forward to a great match on Sunday. Awesome. Awesome. Well guys, it's been the closest game we've had. So I don't want to quite say the score yet because I just want to get your thoughts. Then this will close the deal. And I won't say the scores. So nobody tries to, one up one another here, but what, how, what's your excitement level overall and how overall has been this presentation build for double or nothing as a pay-per-view carnival. You're the champ. We will start with you and take your final rounds here, guys. So on a score of one to 10, how excited am I, or what's the, just, uh, yeah, you can give it. Yeah. Score one to 10, but just give me your thoughts on it. Sure. So I will go with, I'm going to go with a eight and a half. This is uh the show looks pretty excellent. And the headlining matches that we've known about for a while are the ones I am the most excited about. Double or Nothing has had this weird thing uh, the past few years where the world championship match was kind of forgettable for some reason. Uh, Moxley versus Brody, you know, for all the significance that it wound up having, it was kind of a last second match together match uh, in an empty arena. Uh, ditto Kenny uh, Cassidy Pock. The match itself was great. The build, eh. And it, it was being overshadowed by other things were happening at the time. Finally, you've got something where, you know, this is the main talking point going into the show. It is Hangman versus Punk. Um, but top to bottom, the show looks excellent. We got Hookhausen on the pre-show. Like their first match is a tag team. That's incredible. I mean, the, the triple threat tag team match, it, it feels like 
AEW simultaneously has the greatest tag team division in the world, but also doesn't quite know what to do with their tag titles. And yet, that triple threat on Dynamite last night was an absolute banger. And what we're adding into that equation is three big old guys, including Keith Lee, who I love and adore. So that all works out on that end. Um, the, the, at the end of the Owen Hart Cup tournaments, um, whatever that anarchy in the arena match winds up being, I'm going to watch anything that involves the Blackpool Combat Club because that's some good stuff. That's some good eating right there. And uh, yeah, pretty much top to bottom, this show looks excellent, but it's running into the same problem that a lot of AEW shows have and that it's going to look like it's going to be a bit long. I've already seen the report uh, that there's getting we're getting at least one more match into this thing. And we're all just kind of like, guys, I can only be so full. Stop filling my plate. There's a lot. It's it's a weird problem to have. You only have four pay-per-views a year. But we also don't want these shows to be five hours long. But we also really love wrestling. And this thing promises to have a bunch of great matches. So what do you do? I'm just look, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the ride. The last few shows have all been pretty excellent from start to finish. I think this continues that streak. Bill, what's your score? Our score level excitement. And then, yeah, your overall thoughts on the pay-per-view. I'm going to say an eight. I'm excited about the matches that we have. I feel the same. I don't really need another match. I feel like nine is a good number. Um, I feel like, and I, I kind of started talking about this at the beginning, but I'm kind of glad there's no looming announcement, like, t- you know, a segment taking up time on the show. Uh, those things are great in small doses, but I feel like, you know, put two matches on the buy-in. You already have Hookhausen on there, so that's a sell. Maybe find room for, I'm going to say maybe the House of Black Death Triangle match put on there, or uh maybe jade versus uh anna jay but i think give the nine matches that you put on the main show enough time uh what like you have so much going on that i don't feel like you need to do too much to sell it any more than you have the past few weeks the past few months like graham said the owen tournament was announced in september and they've kept people interested that entire time the focus is on Hangman and CM Punk, uh, MJF versus Wardlow. Like those stories are there. You have stuff that might happen. Uh, Christian turning on Jungle Boy and Jurassic Express. And then you have the Hardys versus Young Bucks where you don't even really need that much of a story. So I think let it be a wrestling event. Let Dynamite serve as the fallout show if you want to. Uh, I, I think it's going to be one of the better events that they've put on. And I think, you know, just letting being back in Vegas and letting things, you know, play out in the ring, let them speak for themselves. Are we going to do like a drinking counter, like on the wives of wrestling? Yeah, yeah, by all means. (laughs) Oh, what a slut. I was, it was in my head and I was like, all right, think ahead of it. And then I just, it happened. Bill, every time you, you say it, Karrion Cross hears it from somewhere and goes, wait, someone said it again. (laughs) Well, Graham, let's get, uh, let's get your final thoughts of John fucks with the swear jar. (laughs) yeah no i'm thinking i'm thinking like an eight as well um i think that's appropriate i think it's more of an automatic excitement because we really haven't had like a 
truly bad show from AEW. I know we're three years in. We just celebrated the three-year anniversary of Double or Nothing last night. Um, some have been better than others. I'm looking at All Out 2020. That was probably their weakest show they've ever done. Um, but all of them, especially lately, I think people got to remember the latest streak of pay-per-views have been like some of the best, not in their company's history, but I'm talking about like the best wrestling shows, period, in the last 10, 15 years. I mean, All Out, Full Gear, Revolution were amazing. And really to complete, I mean, even last year's Double or Nothing was a very good show. But I look at the card for this year compared to last year, and it's not even like the pandemic. Oh, we have more fans now, so obviously it's going to be a better show. Not even that. Like, you look at who they've brought in since then, what they've done with said people. Like, think about a year ago. Like Connor had said, we had Omega, Pack, and Cassidy in the world title match last year. Orange Cassidy is not even on the show. Darby Allen's not even on the show. Uh, we had a stadium stampede, and it was a fun show. But a year later, we brought in Punk, Brian. Uh, you know, Malachi Black's going to be in the card on Sunday. That's another one I'm looking forward to. Thunder Rose is officially there full time. Um, and all these other people, it's it's amazing. The, the amount of people they've brought in and been, been able to do stuff with, it's cool. And I think this is going to be a great show. And again, I say automatic excitement because I feel like I'd really have to go back and think about Full Gear and Revolution. The build to this show has not been great for all the reasons I mentioned earlier. Overall, it's been good. It's, it's not been bad. Just some of the matches I wish they had given more time to. Page and Punk went from like chapter one and two to like chapter seven, um, like last night. I just wish that had more time to develop. And there really is no excuse. Uh, the last pay-per-view was two and a half months ago. They could have gotten to some stuff quicker. Did we really need a Page Cole rematch? Awesome match. Did we really need to extend that? Probably not. Um, Hardy's and Young Bucks has been great for what we've seen. That could have started a little bit sooner, too. That's just nitpicking. I'm not complaining. I just think it's they could have done a little bit of a better job. Overall, though, I'm looking forward to it. To Connor's point about the long cards, um, at this point, I was one of the people that was complaining every time, why am I up until midnight here on the East Coast watching the shows? I mean, obviously, I'm going to watch it, but it's like, it's exhausting. That being said, I'm just in the mindset now. If they start at 8 They've kind of set a precedent. They're four-hour shows. I don't even know if they advertise them as three-hour shows anymore, and I could be wrong on that. I think they are four-hour shows, so I just kind of know that going in. It is what it is, and if they start strong, have a strong middle and a strong ending, I can't complain. It's great wrestling. Uh, there's a lot of matches on this card that are going to be great on Sunday, and I'm sure we'll be you know, uh, raving about it come next week. So hopefully, like I said, they can kind of continue the streak. They started with all out, in my opinion, last year with just an outstanding show that was either a nine or 10 out of 10 and then full gear revolution. Same thing, double or nothing, just an amazing show on Sunday. And they've got all four pay-per-views in a row. One of the strongest stretches I've ever seen in wrestling pay-per-view history. So I'm looking forward to answer your question in short. All right. All right. John Carmel slut. What are you thinking there, bud? All, all I know is I am very excited not to be in a press conference until 2.33 in the morning, and that is something I'm very much looking forward to. I'm grateful for the media availabilities after AW pay-per-views, but never in my professional career of covering the NBA, the NFL, the NHL, I've never been in media availability. That goes two, two and a half hours. But anyway, I digress. Um, I am at probably about a seven, seven and a half for this show. Uh, very excited for the main event. Uh, it's been a long time since I've been this excited for an AEW main event. And I think it's just going to be exceptional. I think Punk and Hangman Page are really going to tear it down. And there's a lot of uncertainty, right? We, we don't know entirely which way that match is going. And anytime that you have uncertainty as your main event, especially involving two talent that juxtapose each other as well as Hangman Page 
and CM Punk do, I think that just makes for such an intriguing main event that makes you want to buy this pay-per-view. And that's what this is all about, right? The the undercard, it's stuffed, it's loaded. I have felt the last few AEW pay-per-views have dragged, especially being there in person. They are tiring. They're exhausting. That's not to say they're bad, but they are tiring. And, you know, Connor, I mean, you and I were at all out, Graham, you said you were there too. Like, I thought that was the best pro wrestling show I've ever been to in my life. And I think it's one of the greatest pro wrestling pay-per-views ever. Great. That did not feel like it dragged. But the the last couple have a little bit in areas. And I think because of what happened at All Out, they're like, okay, we got to keep super stuffing. We got to keep super stuffing. And I would like to see a couple matches maybe emphasized on the Dynamite before a pay-per-view or the Rampage before a pay-per-view. And like, for example, that Death Triangle match, this coming pay-per-view versus House of Black, that's going to be a great match, but it's going to get lost on this card. And I hate that because it's going to be really good. So I just worry about the undercard being a little stuff. That's where I'm at for this. Most excited for the main event. Obviously excited for the Hardys and Young Bucks because I'm, I'm excited just to see that match. And uh, probably for the Wardlow payoff as well. Yeah. It's, I'm I'm ex- go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to say this as well real quick. I love the fact this, this show is also built around the content itself and not the promise of like a big debut. Like Revolution last yep. year was all about, oh, who's going to debut? And not so much about like... Some of the matches were great, obviously, but some people kind of get every week. Oh, who's going to show up? Who's going to come back? And we probably will get some sort of returner debut on Sunday in some form or fashion. It's not necessary. And the fact that Tony Khan, unless I missed something in today's press conference during the media call, they're not overly promising. Oh, there's going to be a big debut on Sunday. And that's what really carries the show. We didn't get, oh, we, we did get it with Revolution with Regal, but it's not like they heavily hyped it. And Swerve too. And Swerve too, exactly. So that was, that was the right approach to take. They didn't go in saying big debut on Sunday, blah, blah, blah. And we still gotten a great show with surprises. So, um, you know, he's gone back and forth. Tony has with overhyping stuff and under delivering, under delivering and whatever. We don't have that with the show. This is purely based on the matches, specifically the main event stuff. And if we get a debut, cool. If Johnny Gargano shows up. Awesome. Or whoever, um, I don't, I don't know who else could possibly show the up. The only surprise point. I would have would be something setting up for forbidden door. That would be exactly. the, the yes, thing I that I would that. Regardless of where that is, whether that's a Tanahashi in the mid-card picture or an Okada in the main event picture, whatever that may be. It would make more sense to like, yeah, get it, get your get your folks ready for Forbidden Door, get that <laughs> intrigue going, and then hey, maybe show up a Cesara for Forbidden Door or whatever maybe. I you know, I don't know. See where it goes there. But yeah, I, I'm kind of with you guys in the same boat. Around an eight, I think for me, maybe an eight point two, something like that. But hey. We do have a winner here, and it is the debuting Graham Matthews. You won with a 17. Wait, did I do the math wrong? Oh, 22. <laughs> 22. John, you came in second there with 19. Connor, uh, luckily it was a non-title match. You had 12. No, I'm sorry. You had 17. Oh. I can't count. I was gonna say. What is going on here? <laughs> the disrespect. I demand a recount. And then, Bill, you tied Connor with 17 as well, so... Was it? But I tell you what, before that last round, it was, was super tight. There's only three point difference between seven people. So it's a good show. Graham, I didn't even tell you what the winner fucking gets. You just get 30 seconds or how, as many times as you want, as much time as you want to speak on any topic you want, just like around the horn. Oh, my God. First of all, I didn't know that was coming. So I really don't have a speech prepared here. But I, I feel like I just won by DQ because the championship wasn't on the line. But a win <laughs> is a win. Um, AEW doesn't do DQs often, but I feel like this was a. You know, a nice, pleasant surprise. The, but, the great uh, O'Con yeah. ran into this match. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, 
<laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys having me on. I really have nothing to speak on except for just all the cheap plugs you guys mentioned before. I talked to Brian Danielson the other day. That went live today. I uh, got his thoughts on a lot of stuff going to double or nothing on Sunday, status of his knee injury and all this other stuff. So uh, be sure to check that out. But yeah, I'm looking forward to Sunday. Hope we can do this again in the future. But I appreciate you guys having me on. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, man. No, it's been great. All right, let's get the plugs in. Connor, comicbook.com. What's cracking over there? Uh, what do you got on tap? Well, you can find all my wrestling coverage over there. Obviously, we will have wall-to-wall coverage of Double or Nothing this coming Sunday. I will not be on the Comic Book Nation podcast tomorrow, but we will have a preview for it just in case you guys are tuning in over on Twitch, YouTube, and any other social media network. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at ConnorKCCB. Ditto on my Instagram. Help this brother get to 2,000 followers. We're close, guys. We're really close. You're getting and uh, yeah, Thunder Rosa interview drops tomorrow. So yeah. All right. You and Graham compete going against one another. I like, <laughs> I like it. Bill, what do we have going on at WrestleZone.com? We have, uh, we just dropped our interview with Ruby Soho. You can check that out. Uh, we'll have uh, a new one with Killer Cross. Uh, we talked to him about the wrestling showcase and some other stuff he's got going on. Uh, so Killer Cross and Scarlett Bordeaux. Uh, my interview with Ric Flair should be out soon and, uh, working on a couple others that, uh, probably announce next week. All right. All right. Now, John at free show slash podcast. He, you're a little busy over there. What's happening there. I got like 11 shows coming the end of this month. I don't know. It's something like that. The extreme life of Matt already the lives of wrestling just interviewed Wardlow. Oh man, we just had Lash LaRue, our show there. There's a lot of good stuff going on there. Adfreeshows.com, podcast eat at John Elm on Twitter. J-O-N-A-L-B-A. No H's, lose the H's. They're the losers. Ban the wave. Uh, all that good stuff. And uh, enjoy your whiskey. I think I've had like five shots during the course of this. That's trip. fucking great. I wish I mean, if it I must thought be about good. It. You put your, you put an H in your name. <laughs> right, right. Party down. Yeah. <laughs> I got to get my Evan Williams, bottom shelf Evan Williams out of the freezer right now. So, But, hey, all that being said, this is Dominic D'Angelo of WrestleZone.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Dominic D'Angelo. Hey, follow WrestleZone on Twitter at WrestleZone.com. And go to all these websites for all your wrestling news needs. Boom. All right, guys. Hey, we'll see you this – well, next week, whenever we do it again on the hot tag.